If you can create a, a relationship with someone while you're still playing and then gain trust and friendship and loyalty and all those things, then that will then transcend the game. But if you don't have that, once you leave the game, then you're then you're 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 scratching at the door trying to get opportunities and begging people for, you know, a chance to a chance to prove yourself. And so I think you have to do that when you're relevant. Welcome to the Sports Business Radio Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Berger. You can find the Sports Business Radio Podcast 15 years, over 600 episodes featuring conversations with the biggest names in sports like David Stern, Pete Carroll, Chris Abbott, Jeannie Buss, Michael Vick, Andre Iguodala, Mark Cuban, Tom Rinaldi, Charles Barkley, Jack Nicholas, Lindsey Vaughn, Eric Spolster, Aaron Rodgers, and Steve Nash on iTunes or at sportsbusinessradio.com. Subscribe, rate, and review the Sports Business Radio podcast on iTunes, and everyone who posts a review on iTunes will be eligible to be selected to join us in our studio audience at one of our Sports Business Radio roadshows presented by Boingo. And we're also on Spotify now, so you can find us there. Follow us in between podcasts on Twitter at SB Radio. We've been named a top 50 followed by Forbes.com for three consecutive years, and on Instagram at Sports Business Radio. Blinder is the way high-performance teams connect their talent with the media and fans. It lets communications managers provide unprecedented access to their athletes, entertainers, and executives while respecting everyone's privacy and time. Blinder makes phone calls magic. Request a demo today at blinderhq.com backslash sbradio. Joining us now on the Blinder guest line is Tim Howard. He is the goalie for the Colorado Rapids. You can find him on Twitter at Tim Howard GK, like goalkeeper. You can find him on Instagram at Tim Howe One. Legendary American goalkeeper who earned the nickname Secretary of Defense for his heroics in the 2014 FIFA World Cup. He's winding down his 22 year career in pro soccer. Longtime goalie for the U.S. men's national team. Leader of Howard's Heroes Helping Those with Tourette Syndrome. He's author of the book The Keeper a life of saving goals and achieving them. Tim, thanks for joining me on Sports Business Radio. You announced before the start of the MLS season that this season would be your last as a player. I know many athletes have struggled with the right time to step away. When does it feel right? How did you arrive at the decision that now was the time to step away? Uh, I don't think there's ever an easy time or a good time to step away, you know, unless you can... Unless you can somehow time it where you're lifting the trophy and you're walking out in, uh, in the sun, sun setting, you know. But um, for, for me, there's other things I want to do. There's other things I want to I want to challenge myself with. And, uh, you know, 40 seemed like a, like a pretty good time to hang it up. I've been doing this for over 20 years. So, you know, I was I just I was very content with and very content with uh, with my decision. Yeah, you've had such an amazing career. I know there's a lot of people that listen to this, and and you play a very specific position, goalie. What are the traits that you need to have to play goalie? For instance, my daughter plays goalie, and I always tell her, you got to be fearless if you're going to play goalie. That's one of the traits I think you need to have. But what else do you need to have if you're going to play goalie? Yeah, I think it's fearlessness, one. I think you have to be... I think it's a very cerebral position. You know, I used to, used to call goalkeepers crazy, but I think it's morphed into a very cerebral position. Um, you know, you have to have a you have to have a short memory. I think you have to be able to, you know, not get too ahead of yourself if you made a few saves. You know, because the next one could be your demise. And I think if you've 
uh, one or or two blips or or blunders. I think you have to be able to forget those and make the next game-winning save. And so, you know, it's very much a Jekyll and Hyde type of situation. You recently reached 1,750 saves for your career across MLS and English Premier League. Congrats on that. Is there... A save, that's a lot of saves, but is there, you know, one or two that stands out that you're like, wow, that, that's definitely going to be in the memory bank for a long time? Well, that just means, it just means I'm old. I think if you do it for long enough, <laughs> you'll get, get over 79 saves. That's, that's the easy part. Um, look, I, I think that, one, you know, there, God bless, uh, social media, right? I was making a lot of really good saves way before that. So, right. um, I think the ones that stand out stand out are probably the ones later in my career because they've had the most uh they've had the most coverage if that makes sense uh, um you know one of the one that i like that seems to always get all the play and up there with my all-time great saves is the one against i was playing for everton against southampton and i go i go back over my uh back over my head and over my shoulder and make a save and pick it out of the uh, you know out of the right from underneath the crossbar into sunny day on merseyside which rarely happens as well and so there's a lot of there's a lot of meaning in that particular say, but I, I do genuinely like that one. Take me into the mind, like you said, cerebral. It's penalty kicks, and it's you, and it's the striker, and there's so many different scenarios that can play out. And I've always thought that's one of the most difficult things in sports is to be the goalie in that situation. How do you kind of analyze everything in real time and decide what your strategy is going to be? Yeah, look, I think that you know people people say that uh, they do their homework and they know where the, the shooter's going. I, I think that's part of it. <clears throat> I think ultimately, though, <clears throat> I, I think it is instinct, right? I think it's still it's still mano a mano, and and you have to look for clues the same way you would do, you know, if if the guy was bearing down on you on a breakaway or you were trying to read another situation. You're still looking at the clues of body language, the the timing in the game, the moment, the score. There's a, there's a bunch of factors that you have to kind of chuck into this algorithm within, you know, a, a minute or so uh, from the time the penalty is called to the time that uh, the guy steps up and takes the shot that you have to start to figure things out. And, you know, I think luck plays a major factor, but, uh, yeah, there's some bravado in it as well. So I know a few minutes ago we talked about the fact you're retiring at the end of the year. I see you've already gotten into team ownership, which is something yeah. that uh, it seems like you're very interested in. What's the ultimate goal there? I know a lot of athletes say, I want to be running a team, or I just want to have part ownership. Like, What's the next chapter for you in that regard? Uh, well, you know, I think I, I've, been, I've been doing uh... – getting my feet wet and, and doing all the things that uh, are asked of me as a part owner and uh, I've enjoyed it it's been difficult you know on a very good level and so um, I think I think more than anything I've, I've been doing a little bit from afar if that makes sense because I've kind of had this day job uh, <clears throat> of playing so once I'm finished being able to get into the office at 7 a.m. And, and keep long hours and not leave until the day is done and making sure that you know all the all the phone calls and emails are sorted, and that that's what I'm looking most forward to is really trying to help put my stamp on on the club as a whole. And then you know, to answer the question where that goes in the future, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I, I want to continue to <clears throat> stay in the game at a high level on the executive side of things, and uh, you know, see what happens from there. 
Are you more interested in building a roster, or are you more interested in the business side, or is it both? Yeah, both. Uh, it's. I think you know the roster building and what and what goes into creating a football club is is, is my expertise. Uh, thankfully, you know, with my co-owners Peter Freund and, and uh, our president and owner Craig Unger, um, they're incredibly business savvy and they've been um, so generous in in allowing me to learn on the fly. And so, yeah, I, I think right now I know where my expertise lies. But also from the business angle, uh, that's massive for me, and, and that's only something that I can that I can learn as I as I go through this process of of being a part of an ownership group. I say to athletes all the time, I think it's great when you you know during your playing career, there's a lot of people that want to be around you, right, and they want to yeah. learn from you. I think it's great when an athlete befriends business people, and while they're yeah. still playing, understands the opportunities in business when you're done playing. And I think it's great that you have done that. At what point did you say, you know, you know, maybe I'm five years away from ending my career or 10 years away from ending my career. I need to start looking towards the business aspects of post-career. Yeah. Well, look, I think that, I think to your point, uh, which I agree with, you know, when you're an athlete, you're relevant. And when you are no longer an athlete, it's very difficult to keep your relevancy. And I don't mean that to slight anybody. I, I just mean that uh, when my when my shirt is no longer hanging in the team shop, all the kids are going to buy whose shirt is hanging in the team shop. And that's whoever's next. And that's what we love about sports, right? And um, I think you have to create uh, relationships and nurture them while you have a level of relevancy because otherwise – then you're just swimming upstream. If you can create a, a relationship with someone while you're still playing and then gain trust and friendship and loyalty and all those things, then that will then transcend the game. But if you don't have that, once you leave the game, then you're, then you're, you're, you're scratching at the door trying to get opportunities and begging people for, um, you know, a chance to, a chance to prove yourself. And so I think you have to do that when you're relevant. I want to talk a little bit about your playing career, your legendary playing career. When you got the call from Manchester United to come play with them, what was that like? I mean, that's got to be one of the the highlights of your career, I would imagine. Yeah, look, I said it, said it time and time again. It was uh, it was it was incredible. I was twenty two years old, I think, you know, and we all like to pretend that we're 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 grown at that age. But now that I'm forty, I look back at twenty two and realize I was a, you know I was just a little baby. And <clears throat> getting that call, I've, I've said it all along. Um, if if I never played for Manchester United a day in my life, and I simply got that phone call, that would have sustained me for a long time. Wow! Uh, it was pretty. It was pretty incredible to have a club like that even say, "Hey, look, you're on our radar, and we're we're keeping tabs on you." You know, I was floating on cloud nine for a good year. Um, so yeah, it was it was a, a pretty poignant moment in my career, and, and the fact that it came to fruition. I then spent. 13 years in the Premier League, three of which with Manchester United. I'm, I'm a very lucky boy, and so I, 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 you know, I look back on that with fond memories. What did you learn there that has helped you since you returned to MLS? Uh, Self belief. I think it's helped me when I with returning to MLS with my entire career. You know, I'm a big, uh, I'm a big believer that self belief and, and and confidence um, are two different things, and, and oftentimes they they get misconstrued. Um, you know, confidence is something that you gain by winning and losing. And, and sometimes you're in control of that and sometimes you're not, you know, self-belief is simply 
this ability to get out of bed every morning and say, look, I, I'm, I'm good enough to do it, and I'm going to go do it today. I might fail, but I'm good enough to do it. And so there's a massive difference for me between self-belief and confidence, and, I, and, and that was one thing that stuck with me. I had some... I had some highs and lows, at, you know, uh, over over in my 13 years in England, and I think that um, that doesn't make me special. I think every player goes through that, and then I think what carried me through is always that ability to believe in myself, and probably sometimes it was unwarranted, you know. Maybe there were times where I shouldn't have believed so much, but I did, and it got me through. Where did you get that belief and that confidence? I know sometimes it's a parent or it's a friend or sure. a coach. Who Who is that person yeah. for you or those people? A little bit of everything. My village, you know. I think it's, you know, my mom is had a great upbringing, and my mom is is uh, is uh, selfless and you know works uh, works for everything she's ever had. And I've had an incredible coach when I was a kid of ten years old who believed in me. And Tim Mulqueen, uh, again, that's well documented. And just you know, people who are in my corner who, who you know I had the best of friends who I'm still dear friends with today over twenty years, and uh, just people who who wouldn't let me fail who refused to believe anything other than uh in my in my greatness which was again ill-advised at times but uh i had i had a really good uh, support system around me you're listening to sports business radio with our guest tim howard keeper for the colorado rapids we'll be right back after this when it comes to stadiums and arenas every sports pro knows wireless wins and when it comes to the best wireless technology for your venue look no further than boingo wireless Boingo is the largest operator of indoor wireless networks in the U.S., providing state-of-the-art Wi-Fi and cellular services that power amazing fan experiences. And Boingo makes keeping your stadium connected easy today and in the future. Thinking about 5G? Boingo's expert team helps you carry the ball through a complex technology landscape to deliver wireless solutions that will delight fans and deepen loyalty season after season. Here's another kicker. Boingo is simply the best connected experience for your business. With Boingo, stadiums and arenas enjoy unique operating efficiencies, revenue opportunities, and digital insights into their fan base. That's a win-win. Boingo works with major league sports venues like Soldier Field, Vivint Smart Home Arena, State Farm Arena, and University Stadiums like University of Louisville and K-State. Our thanks to Boingo for their continued support of Sports Business Radio. We're excited to showcase how technology is changing the business of sports. If you would like more information on Boingo Wireless, visit boingo.com or email sports at boingo.com. Now, back to Sports Business Radio with our guest, Tim Howard. I want to talk to you for a few minutes about U.S. soccer. What's the recipe for continuing to grow the game of soccer in the U.S.? I mean, look, I think if you look at all the trends, they're, they're trending upward, but... You know, if you're a kid growing up today, you can choose soccer, you can choose football, basketball. There's so many different ways you can go. How do you continue to grow the game of soccer in the U.S.? Well, I think, look, there is, unfortunately for soccer, there there are too many sports to choose from in America. When you go outside of our borders, soccer is the only thing that matters in 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 every other country in the world. And so we're at, we're at a distinct disadvantage right from the get-go. I think the best way to, to continue to go to sport is to not oversaturate it. And, and what I mean by that is, uh, you know, are there people who care about soccer in America? Yes. Um, large numbers. Are, are we are we gaining fans week by week? Yes. But I think if you oversaturate uh, markets, I, I think you're destined to fail. So we need to continue to concentrate on what's working, um, both with our national team and 
um, you know, with our with with the MLS and the USL and all and all and all the leagues that that are, are creating and committed to developing uh, talent. And look, I think I think the difficult part of the question is how do, how do we how do we create uh, and develop young talent? It's difficult in our country. It's very very difficult because there's so many there are so many um, avenues, whether it's hockey or basketball or baseball or football. Or, uh, you can choose anything, and um, you know we. It, it costs a lot of money to play soccer in America. You know whether anyone wants to believe that or not. And so I think a lot of the Latino community and, and the African American community at large is missing out in this country, uh, and so are so are lower socioeconomical um, communities. Because unfortunately, my daughter plays on a very good team, and that very good team costs a lot of money to mom and dad. You know, and so. We're 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 lucky that we can we can afford to do to do that and put her on the best teams, but it's not the case everywhere. See, we could do a whole podcast on what yeah. I think of the pay to play soccer and the elite soccer yeah. and does that path get you yeah. to college or pro yeah. like you or your parents want you to be? Or, you know, if you're just playing on your high school team or your college you know, your junior college team, does that get you where you need to go? It's an interesting conversation, but like you said, it can cost a lot of money to take that yep. path, and I don't yep. know that it necessarily costs as much money if you're a basketball player or a football player or a golfer or lacrosse player yeah. or something like that. No, I don't think it does, and I think that again, it's a longer it's a longer podcast. But you know, when you look at you look at what basketball is to the inner cities of America, what you look what you see hockey uh, to all the kids growing up in you know in uh, in Canada. Right, it's it's a pickup sport. It's all it's ever been, you know. And that's what soccer is in the rest of the world, right? And uh, and I think that's probably a model that we should look at. Not 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 exclusively, but certainly that should be on offer, um, you know, to to players in America. You just referenced your daughter. I have a daughter who I referenced earlier. Yeah. Women just won the World Cup. The U.S. Women. Sure. Um, you know, there's this big debate going on right now yeah. about equal pay and. How do you, and I know this is a probably a whole other podcast too, but how do you even start to address that issue knowing that the women's team in the United States has performed at a very high level and, yes. you know, they bring in revenue and they, you know, they check all the boxes and I know that, you know, they're trying to get equal pay. And again, as, as dads to daughters, I always want my daughter to have equal rights with anyone else. How do we address that issue? Well, I think the starting point for the argument is flawed. I think the, I think the starting point for, for uh, what anyone should get paid, particularly when it comes to U.S. soccer and the women's team versus the men's team, I think, I think we need to take the emotion out of it. And unfortunately... When you look at the New York Times and all the news and all and all the headlines, all 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 people want to talk about is the emotional side of it. And I think when it comes down to getting paid, it sounds simplistic. It's dollars. It's dollars and cents. It's very simple. And U.S. soccer is no different than any other um, employer in the sense that um, people should get paid and will ultimately, whether it's my opinion or not, will ultimately get paid based on. On the bottom line, revenue, dollars and cents, simple as that. And until until there's really hard facts and numbers that are getting thrown out, thrown out and debated, it's not really a debate. Right now, the only thing I ever, the only thing that I ever read is um, 
is if you if you're not on the side of equal pay, then you're sexist, and that's that's the stupidity, right? Like, there's so much more to this argument uh, than just that, and so I think we need to take the emotion out of it, and we need to talk real dollars and cents. And if you start talking real dollars and cents, then I think then you can have a real debate and a real argument. No, I agree. Uh, it's interesting to see what NWSL is doing since the World Cup. They've signed a deal with Budweiser. Their games are on ESPN. Do you think U.S. soccer is doing enough to promote the NWSL? Um, I think that the NWSL is a fantastic league. I think I think it's the best league in the world, right? For When you look at women's soccer, it's hands down the best league in the world. Um, so absolutely, they should be partnered with... Um, the biggest brands going, particularly in America. Um, yeah, I, I again, I don't have all the numbers, and so I don't like to speak out of turn. I think U.S. soccer has, in terms of get, helping to get the league up and running and help it become sustainable, I think U.S. soccer has certainly played their part. So, um, you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't be so quick to rake them over the coals um, again. But I don't have all of that information. Okay, that makes sense. So you've played English Premier. Obviously, you're playing in MLS. Where does MLS rank now as a league globally, in your opinion? Because I know for years they've been really trying to improve the caliber of play and signing the best players like yourself. Where do they stand right now? It's tough. It's tough to, you know, it's it's such an ambiguous question because it's, you know, we don't play in competitions that pit us um, on our best day against against European competition. Like we can, right. we can try and judge friendlies and say, oh, it's a, such and such is playing a European-based team, but you know, again, the, the, the margins aren't always the same, right? Because you're not always playing the same team. Maybe it's the second team or whatever. So it's difficult to say. Look, I think that the fact that you can you can bring over Slatan Ibrahimovic and a Wayne Rooney and Carlos Vela, guys who clearly have some of the best European pedigree going, and um, and certainly South American pedigree when you look at uh, Atlanta United. And they can dominate the league. You know, it's not like an old man league. Um, well, in my case, it might be. But and for, for, <laughs> for, most, for most of these guys, they're do, you know they're dominating the league. And so clearly, um, I think I think you see that we're able to attract uh, global talent, and you know these guys can compete um, and make their MLS clubs better. And so you know, I, I think you start there again. What does it look like from a result standpoint? I don't know. It's it's, it's too tough to tell. Um, you know who, who who would win if this team played? Well, it's it's a difficult exercise. But for the you know for players like Wayne Rooney and Carlos Vela and Slatan Ibrahimovic, to just name a few, these guys clearly could earn contracts at very good European clubs and chose MLS, um, and that's a massive statement for the league. I want to talk about your endorsement partners. You've worked with a number of different companies yep. uh, over the years, Nike being you know, a longtime partner of yours. And I ask this yep. to athletes all the time when I have them on this show. What do you look for in your endorsement partners? Yeah, I think you know, what, I, what I've tried to do is, uh, as the years have gone, gone by, I try not to dilute my brand, uh, my, my own personal brand, meaning I – I don't really, I don't sign off on just anybody who's willing to throw money at me. You know, um, we all work hard and we all try and earn money, but um, I want it to be the right fit. I want, I, I want to have a, a smaller stable of, of endorsements and sponsors, um, but the right ones who are committed to long-term growth, to uh, you know, my success and their own success. Um, 
know, loyalty is huge. I like building relationships with the people who I work with at these companies, not just like, hey, where's the camera? Turn the lights on. I'll say the speech and then I go home. I want to create genuine relationships with these people um, and companies because I think that's important. That's, that's, That's how... That's how I see it to be the best in regards to, um, you know, who I want to in, in, be endorsing my brand and who I want to be a part of, right? Because as much as, as much as I'm I'm throwing their name around, I want my name to be synonymous with good people. And so, um, it's not easy. I think at first when you're young, you're like, just give me money, you know. Like I'm trying to build, I'm trying to build my bank account, not just uh, sustainable relationships. But I think it's important that you you build you build those. More and more athletes are looking at equity is part of the relationship versus it used to just be, hey, here's yeah. a few million bucks. You're our, our sure. spokesperson. <clears throat> now athletes are saying, you know what? Instead of the money, I want to invest yeah. in this company. Do you look at those types of deals as well? Yeah. I mean, look, again, as I've gotten older, that, that's mattered more to me, right? Like you hit the nail on the head. As I said, young young athlete or I look at myself back then like, heck with buying in. Just give me some money that I can that I can start saving, right? Like, right. Um, but yes, as I've gotten older, and you look at some of the elite athletes, I think currently the one that sticks out is LeBron James, right? I think you you begin to see how powerful ownership is. Yeah, it's nice to get a paycheck and then you go on your merry way. But when you're in ownership, when when you're in ownership or are an owner, um, you, you then become relevant at the at the table, and you know we all want to be relevant. I know one of your partners is uh, Wiley X Glasses. Yeah, I yeah. loved the commercial that you and your daughter just did for their <laughs> Youth Force line. How fun yeah. was it to make yeah. that commercial with her? Well, that was the first time. So, like, my daughter, it, it was amazing. <laughs> it was amazing. It was, it was the first time that, uh, you know, that she had ever been a part of something like that. And it was, uh, it was a big deal for her and for me. And it was special. And I just remember... You know, my daughter is outspoken and outgoing and, and, and boisterous and, you know, she got on set like everybody else and the other <laughs> human who's ever been in the, in the camera and she was nervous and it, it was it was funny seeing a different side of her, but I thought she nailed it and, uh, you know, being able to, to do that together is, is something that doesn't come around every day, so I was very thankful for that opportunity. You're listening to Sports Business Radio with our guest, Tim Howard, keeper for the Colorado Rapids. We'll be right back after this. One word you wouldn't typically associate with a dress shirt is comfort. However, the folks over at Mizzen in Maine are changing this. Their shirts are incredibly comfortable. Mizzen in Maine makes dress shirts for men that fixes everything that's ever been wrong with shirts for so long. Their shirts breathe, stretch, and wick away moisture. It's like athletic wear disguised as a dress shirt, making them great for travel. They've taken the hassle out of looking great through wrinkle resistance and the ability to wash your shirts at home. No more last-minute ironing. No more after-work trips to the dry cleaner. It's a shirt that's worked for thousands of customers, including hundreds of professional athletes like J.J. Watt and Phil Mickelson. Head over to MizzenInMaine.com and use promo code SBR to get $10 off your dress shirt. That's MizzenInMaine.com, code SBR. I can tell you one thing. I'll be wearing Mizzen in Maine dress shirts at all future sports business radio road shows and sports PR summit events. I can't wait. Now, back to sports business radio with our guest, Tim Howard. You seem like such a great dad from what I can observe. You know, I, again, I have a 14 year old. It's different parenting now with social media and, and oh, yeah. things like that. What do you tell your kids? 
you know, as far as the most important things as you're trying to kind of coach them through life? Uh, yeah, you know, it's uh, you're right about that. Parenting in 2019, 2020 is vastly different than back in yeah. 89, but uh, as I would imagine. And, uh, you know, there's just a lot more pitfalls, but like anything else, you know, rather than put the blinders on my kids and, um, uh, you know, shelter them, I think it's also massive learning tools, right? Like stumbling and, and faltering are, are, are good moments to teach and, um, you know, they have a wonderful mother and we have a, we have an incredible, uh, relationship in terms of parenting our children. And, you know, we want them to, we want them to be successful. And I think sometimes you have to use some of these pitfalls for good, right? Like allow them, allow them enough rope, enough leash to kind of, to kind of go and be their own person and, and, um, you know, let them know what's around the corner. And then when those things happen, you kind of circle the wagons a little bit, learn from it and move on. No, I think that's great advice. There's a lot of helicopter parents out there, and oh, uh, yeah. they don't let the kid trip up at all. And then how do you learn in life? Right. It's true. I, 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 look, I, I think you learn almost so, almost exclusively from your from your failures. You know, the successes are great, but you kind of roll with those. But it's, it's in failure that you, you, have to, you have to rethink some things. One of the things I admire the most about you is you were diagnosed with Tourette syndrome, I think, sixth yeah. grade. Uh, you have developed the Howard's Heroes program. I absolutely love what you've done with your platform, and I can just tell the difference that you're making in the lives of the kids who meet with you. What do you tell them when you meet with them, or do they have specific questions? Because you really seem to be, you know, kind of the, the face of Tourette syndrome for them, and they can look up to you, and they have a role model in you, and I just think it's wonderful. Well, I appreciate you saying that. Uh, uh, we <clears throat> we started the program with some wonderful people here in our our community relations department at the Rapids, and we you know we've been inundated. I have my whole career with with uh, <clears throat> you know letters and, and phone calls and emails and uh, op- you know opportunities to meet people, and and I can't always I can't always uh, make those happen. Just just there's just not enough hours in the day to get to everyone and so what we did was we offered the opportunity for uh kids and families with ts uh, you know to come to the stadium and the greatest part was we you know we we housed our program here but we've extended the offer to every away team that we've gone to and they and i mean to to an organization they have all been accommodating and giving tickets and liaise with the families and it's been really really incredible grow you know it, it it was just something we kind of thought about in the off season two seasons ago, and it's taken off. And you know, I, I don't know. I I kind of tell them what I what what uh, you know a little bit of a nutshell of how how it was when I was their age, depending on what age they were. But more than anything, I want to hear their story. You know, they they always have the best questions for me. You know, they write down questions and tell me things and ask me things. But I'm inspired by them. You know, I think that when I was you know when I was a kid, I was. It, it's a it's a tough condition to have, TS, because it's right in your face. It's nothing you can hide, and so, you know, I, I I tried to hide it when I was a kid, and I have I meet so many uh, teenagers and and children with with TS who tell me about standing up in front of their class and um, speaking to their their teachers and their classmates and telling them what they have, and I'm just like, wow, I, I I'm blown away by by their courage, and so I, I also love hearing their stories. Well, I'll tell you what, I hope you're able to keep it going after you retire. And if there's anything we can ever do via our platforms to help you, please, please let me know. Because, like I said, I, I just think it's such an incredible 
program. I know you only have a couple of minutes left. Uh, social media. Yeah. Are you running your own platforms? Because I see you on Instagram and Twitter. Again, I, I love the pictures that you post, the commercial that you posted with your daughter. You promote your partners really well. You seem to have a good uh, rhythm with uh, how to use social media. Yeah, look, I have a good balance uh, you know, between myself and my agency, someone in particular at my agency, we run my social media, and, and me, meaning basically I have access to all of it, and as do they. And so I'm, I'm on there I'm on there regularly. Um, you know, I, I try and interact as best I can. It's a slippery slope on <laughs> social media because, you know, you have, you have hundreds of thousands of followers, in some people's case millions, and uh, it's, it's virtually impossible to appease everyone and make everyone happy. But, um, yeah, it, I, think, I think it can be used for a lot of good. I think there's also a ton of pitfalls on there, so I think more than anything, you have to be aware of those things. You wrote a book called The Keeper, A Life of Saving yeah. Goals and Achieving Them. A lot of people wait to write their book till they're done playing. You wrote yours yeah. before you were done playing. Why? Well, I thought the timing was right. You know, I think it was right at the, you know, it's probably, probably the apex of your career as a goalkeeper, 34, 35, and um, you know, I, I wrote it with the hope that there was more chapters to be written or possibly, you know, another book about, you know, other things. What's next? Who knows? Um, but I thought at the time I had, I had quite a lot of, uh, of a story to tell, and I wanted to do that. Is there anything that you wanted people – I know a lot of people write a book and they're like, I hope these are the three takeaways that people have for the book. Or you know, yeah. did you just kind of write it because it was therapeutic? Uh, you no, know, I think there are takeaways, and I, th- I think that you know, for me, perseverance and uh, and hard work uh, is the solution to any difficulty. Uh, is the only way to achieve greatness. And you know, I think I, 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 what, I, what I wanted to show is is there was a human. There's, there's a massive human element to me, and I think that that through a lot of my <clears throat> failures that were highlighted, I've, I've, I've found success. And, and you know, I think that when people read things like that, you know, you, you can you can meet them in a moment that's like, all right, you know, I'm going I'm going through this challenge here myself. But, um, you know, if if I wasn't working hard, I could work harder. Or if I was working as hard as I can, this is justification that that is the solution. And so there's that element, and obviously, you know, my backstory with family and and Tourette syndrome and all those things. I think, you know, any time that I can continue to be a voice for the voiceless with, uh, you know parents and families with TS, uh, that'll ultimately be my mission. Broadcasting, you've already kind of dipped your toe in the water on that. Yeah. Are we going to see you broadcasting more when your career is uh, wrapped up on the playing field? Yeah, yeah. Look, I think that's, I think that I, I enjoy being in front of the camera. I think broadcasting is something that um, I love to do. There's absolutely no substitute for <clears throat> putting on your boots and your gloves and going out there under the lights. Um so I never, I never kid you on that, that 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 that's the case. But for me, the next best thing is to be in and around sports, whether it's helping to build a team or, uh, you know, dissecting a game from from an uh, analytical standpoint on television. I love it, and uh, I work with great people. Um, you know, I, I love the fact that you know I'm I'm with Turner and Br doing Champions League. It is uh, something I, I thoroughly enjoy. And, and look, at it's you know you get you get to my age, you play two decades plus and you master something and, and now it's time to master something else. It doesn't mean you're good at it from the door, but that learning process and that learning curve is, uh, is something I enjoy. Have you allowed yourself to think about the last time you 
step onto the pitch and uh, you walk off for the last time, or is that something that you're not going to think about till it happens? <laughs> I thought about it, but I think it'd be I think it's foolish to try and to try and understand what those emotions will be like because it's uh, you, you know I won't be able to. But I also think what's made me successful is my single-mindedness, mindedness, my ability to focus on, on the task at hand, right? Like, if I ever got too far ahead of myself, you and I wouldn't be here talking. And so, uh, I, I, I know the date, I know the game, the team, and, um, you know, I hope it's a victory. But uh, ultimately, it's been one heck of a ride. So, um, you know, I'll, I'll deal with all that when it comes. Tim Howard, you can find him on Twitter at TimHowardGK or on Instagram at TimHowOne. Tim, I got to tell you, I have such immense respect for you as a person and as an athlete, and I wish you nothing but continued success. I know you're going to be just as good post-career with ownership and broadcasting and everything else you're going to put your mind to as you have been thus far. So congrats on a great career, and if there's ever anything we can do from our end, please let us know. Well, I appreciate you saying I look forward to catching up with you again soon. Thanks, Tim. All the best. Take care. You too. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Guests appearing on Sports Business Radio will receive a dress shirt from Mizzen and Maine. It's like athletic wear disguised as a dress shirt, making them great for travel. No more dry cleaning and no wrinkles. It's a shirt that has worked for thousands of customers, including hundreds of professional athletes like J.J. Watt and Phil Mickelson. It's the most comfortable dress shirt I've ever worn. Head on over to MizzenMaine.com and use promo code SBR to get $10 off your dress shirt. That's MizzenAndMaine.com, code SBR. I can't tell you how many times over the years on Sports Business Radio that a PR person is asked to listen in on my interviews with their CEO, GM, coach, or athlete. They also want to call us in our studio so that we don't have the phone number of the high-profile person who is calling us for our interview. Blinder has developed a technology that solves these issues that have existed for years. Use Blinder's unique technology to connect your athlete, coach, or executive's personal phone for any interview without sharing their private information. Remotely control the phone interviews, set start and finish times, monitor online or with the Blinder mobile app, and listen to a recording of the call at any time for complete peace of mind. With Blinder, you're finally in control. The system works globally from any phone line. Scheduling a call takes seconds. Customizable push notifications ensure a connection, and no one needs to download anything to make or receive a call. PR people everywhere should be using this helpful technology. Blinder is now the technology we use for the official guest line for Sports Business Radio. Learn how to start your free trial by visiting blinderhq.com backslash sbradio. Now we're talking. Well, that's it for this edition of Sports Business Radio. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks to our show staff, Brian Griggs and Josh Blank. Thanks to our friends at Boingo Wireless for powering our Sports Business Radio Roadshow. Follow them online at boingo.com or on Twitter at Boingo. And we want to remind you all the great places you can get the Sports Business Radio podcast. We're on iTunes. We're on Spotify, Stitcher, Tune in wherever you get your podcast. You can find Sports Business Radio. So download us for on-demand listening. Subscribe, rate, and review us as well. We always appreciate the reviews. Follow me on Twitter in between shows at SB Radio. Follow us on Instagram at Sports Business Radio. For Brian Griggs, I'm Brian Berger. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you soon right here on Sports Business Radio. 